new podcast, Who Dis? Well, many of you probably know me as the talk of shame. Others might say, I'm that girl that recapped every single day of the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, all from a cheap, uncomfortable wooden stool in her apartment. Now, the OGs may know me as the girl who spent a year trying every bagel in Los Angeles to try to find one as good as NYC. But I just call myself Kiki Monique. I am a Sagittarius who participates heavily in Virgo slander. I love tequila, dive bars, and the combination of those two things together. And I spend just about every waking moment reading, watching, scrolling through TikTok and Instagram, just absorbing as much information as humanly possible to keep you up to date on what's happening in this cuckoo crazy planet we call home. Now, if you listen to my last podcast, first of all, thank you. Love you. You helped keep the lights on. But this new podcast is going to be me, myself, and I. Every week, we're going to kiki about the wildest headlines. And for the people who misbehave during the week, they'll receive a spot in our Hall of Shame. And even though this pod is just me, I will, of course, have amazing guests that we dive a bit deeper into stories with. And we'll share our thoughts and hot takes on celebrity news, TV shows, current events, and more. Now that I know this sounds a lot like what I do on my social, so you're probably asking, well, and why do I need to listen to your podcast? Well, one, because you love me. (laughs) And two, because even though I usually do or say whatever I want, there's some things on social I can't do, like respond to wild DMs I get. Now I will. So if you've ever sent me something crazy or thought-provoking or too funny not to share, or even something really mean, every week you better believe I'm going to talk about it. But don't worry, everything I share will be anonymous, of course, because I'm not a mean girl. But the reason my hair is so big is because it's full of secrets. So now that I've told you the plan every week, (laughs) let me explain why this episode will be completely different from that. Because just like on social, when there is breaking news I can't just keep posting the scheduled content. I have to divert from the original plan and give you the piping hot tea that was just brewed. And let me tell you, I got a story for you. Now, if you watched Orange is the New Black, then you have to listen to this episode. This story blew my mind when I came across it. And like I said, I completely diverted from the original inaugural episode of this podcast Just to get the story out there, I DM this person and I was like, you need to come on my show now. I will be talking to Sean Cooper, a filmmaker, video director, and someone who used to be an inmate at Cambridge Springs State Correctional Institution in Pennsylvania. Now you're probably like, what does a prison in Pennsylvania have to do with Orange is the New Black? Well, Sean claims that not only was one of the characters in Orange is the New Black based on her, but other characters were based on other inmates she knew inside. Sean says that none of these women saw a dime from the success of Orange is the New Black, and she took to social media to call out the author of Orange is the New Black, Piper Kerman, and she wants to bring light to these women whose stories Sean says were used. This story is so wild. Now, if you don't know what Orange is the New Black is, first of all, where have you been? I mean, this this show dominated screens for years. So 
Orange is the New Black premiered on Netflix in July 2013 and ran for seven seasons until July 2019. And at one point, it was the most watched and longest running series on Netflix. The protagonist of this series is Piper Chapman, who was played on screen by actress Taylor Schilling, but is based on the real life of Piper Kerman. Kerman got involved with an international drug smuggler and several years later was named as a participant in this drug ring. And then from 2004 to 2005, she served 13 months at the Federal Correction Institution in Danbury, Connecticut. Now, all my Bravo lovers out there know this is the same prison that Teresa Judice from Real Housewives of New Jersey served her prison time. Kerman ended up writing a book in 2010 titled Orange is the New Black, My Year in Women's Prison, which is the basis of the Netflix series. Now, in the author's note at the beginning of her book, it reads, this book is a memoir and is drawn from my own experience. All of the names and in some cases, distinguishing characteristics of the people who lived and worked inside of the prisons where I was held have been changed to afford them their privacy. But my guest today believes that the characters in the Netflix series are based on the prisoners from the Pennsylvania prison she was incarcerated in. And the reason she believes that is because she was one of those prisoners. So who are the real women behind these beloved characters we grew to love? Sean Cooper says she has the answer. Let's kiki about it. Now, Sean, anytime someone comes out publicly and says, Hollywood has stolen my idea, like two things come to mind. The first is like something that someone I know who works in the entertainment industry told me is that for every idea you have, 10 other people have the exact same idea, right? Yeah. But then the other side of me says, you know what? Hollywood is really cutthroat and people will get away with whatever they can for as long as they can. So when someone sent me your profile the other day (laughs) and I was going through your stories, I was literally like every tile I hit, my jaw was hitting the ground further and further (laughs) because here's what I will say. Everything I saw in your stories to me was enough proof to say, huh, Orange is the New Black maybe used other people's stories. I mean, I was that convinced. And we're going to get into these women that you know, these women, you are one of these women, and we're going to get into why you think and how you think these stories came out. But obviously, you know, I want to get to know a little bit about you first. Gotcha. Now, you were born and raised in Pennsylvania? I was actually born in Florence, Arizona. That's okay. A, that's another long story. My my mother, my I came from white suburbs, Catholic family, Camp Hill. It's a very affluent uh, area where my family is actually from. So my mother got pregnant as a teenager and that was socially unacceptable. So get rid of her and, you know, while her belly shows that they shipped uh, my mother out to Florence, Arizona. And then I was born out there later 
Oh man, this is another rabbit hole. Actually, what had happened is my mother's best friend, Donnie, him and his brothers staged a massive prison break to get their father out of prison. It was a very big case. It's the Tyson gang. So when that went down, my mom was like, okay, time to hightail it back to Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. So you get to Pennsylvania. Did you have like a pretty, would you say a normal childhood or was it pretty tumultuous? I would say it was somewhat tumultuous. You know what I mean? Okay. I had a lot of, like I said, the neighborhood, I, uh, the area that I grew up in, it was all mostly, it's a suburbs. It's all mostly fairly wealthy white people that uh, you don't fit the mold. You, you don't fit in here. So okay. yeah, there was, there was attempts at bullying me when I was growing up. It's just my grandfather always taught me not to take anybody's Anyone's shit. <laughs> Anybody's shit. I'm not sure. I wasn't sure if I'm allowed to cuss because I course. curse heavily. We I love cursing. Heavily. Okay. Well, I got a foul mouth. So <laughs> anyway, my grandfather was always just like, don't let anybody put their hands on you. And, you know, that was kind of, it was violent where I came from. People tried to okay. push me around and I didn't take it at all. So it earned, earned me respect. And it also earned me like people that want to test it, I think a little more. Okay. So you kind of grow up, it's like, it's like a bit rough. Did you feel like you were coming, like going down a wrong path or like were people trying to like intervene or were you just kind of like, I'm just doing my thing and you just were sort of meeting people along the way that were maybe not the best influences or how was, how was that happening? I mean, it's just, I, I, like I said, I, where I grew up, it wasn't even necessarily that I had bad influences. I was the one that was considered the bad influence because yeah. I was a girl that okay. looked like a boy. So I, I, to be honest, I was okay. alone a lot. I was alone a good bit growing up because a lot of kids, their families didn't want their kids hanging out with the little bull dyke. And my mother had her own set of criminal stuff going on. And uh, because of that, you know, it kind of just isolated me a lot. So I, you know, I did have friends, but for the majority of, for most of like my classmates and people that grew up around me, nobody wanted their kids around me. So birthday parties were like insanely traumatizing. And we just gave up because after a while, you know, it's like started getting depressing, sending out invitations and nobody's allowed to come because of my mom. So, (laughs) so now, this story starts, obviously, you you do end up in a Pennsylvania state correctional facility. Now, is this the first time you've been arrested? Is the time you end up in this prison? No, this, I mean, I had gotten arrested for like just juvenile mischief and fights and stuff like that when I was a teenager, but this one was the big one. Okay. So you're like 18 years old? Yeah, I had just turned 18 when this happened. And, wow. Uh, I got arrested and... Like, no, I mean, no criminal record prior. Like, I wasn't, like, dangerous or anything. So, but they, they really, really tried to to put me in for a really long time over this. Now, did you, were you trying to plead out or were you trying to fight your case? I was trying to fight the case because it, in all actuality, what happened with my case was self-defense 1,000%. And there's no self-defense laws in Pennsylvania. And then being the lesbian that was involved in this, they were just like, who do we blame? for all of this. Because what year is this? This was 1995. Okay. I'm a little older than I look. (laughs) So um, this was actually November 2nd, 1995. We're actually, good timing, we're coming up on the anniversary of uh, this incident. Oh, wow. uh, Next month. Okay. So you you try to fight it, but they end up, I guess, finding you guilty. Well, they push me into a plea bargain. They push you into a plea bargain. Okay. So what do you agree, like, how much time do you agree to serve? Well, initially, they were trying to give me 10 years. Oh my God. Yeah. And the public had actually started to speak up on my behalf because just the things that the news were saying and 
the DA's office, what they're communicating with the, with, with their reporters that they keep under, you know, under their, um, under their belt. They were like, if you don't plead, you're looking at 10 years. And there was like no way out of it. So it was either 10 years or take this plea bargain for two years or two and a half years and then go do the two years and come home. But what they didn't tell you at the time is like, once you're in the Pennsylvania you know, prison system, that two years could be that six years because they will not let you out on time. I want to get into that too, because, you know, obviously, and, and we'll get into it, you know, the character that you say is portrayed by you in Orange is the New Black, there's a whole scene with that. So we'll definitely get into that. So you're, it's okay. So you're 18, you're, <laughs> you're facing two and a half years. That's like, got to be the scariest thing ever. Orange is the New Black, I will say, really does make, I won't say it makes prison life look great at all. It doesn't make prison life look great, but it does give you the sense of like, when you find a family, you find community. I don't know, we these characters became beloved, but like when you get in there, like what happens? Are you just scared? Do you immediately find people? I wasn't sure what to really expect from prison because you see what you see on television, how that was portrayed. Like coming to New York, I thought New York was going to look like coming to America and I was going to be Eddie Murphy. <laughs> so going to prison, you know, you have all these influences from the media that sort of give you an idea of what it might be like, but it was nothing like that, like oh at all. You said your mom was in trouble. Did your mom try to give you any advice on what to do when you got there? None. My, okay. my mother and I, my mother and I didn't really have a very nurturing relationship. She kind of okay. like, abandoned me early on. So I've been pretty much raising myself since then. Now, was one of the first women or group of women you met, these women that you say are now portrayed in Orange is the New Black, is that who (laughs) your immediately group of friends became? Yes. uh, Yes. I'm trying to like correlate the person to the character. So if we want to, the first people that I got or became friends with when I got there and got settled in, um, I was on the fourth floor of the housing unit. So the, the unit that they put me on it was, I was immediately bombarded by Rocky Maritza Jamilka, which would be Yoga Jones, Gloria, and Flocka. And then they were in my housing unit. And they were all like very, very close and had all done, you know, the majority of their time together. So it was kind of like walking into this adoptee family and they were like, oh, you're a baby. You're only 18. Like, yeah, how old and, are they? Yeah, they were. I mean, Rocky was old enough to be my mother and so was Maritza. Jamilka okay. was a few years older than me. Um, Got it. Or Flocka. She was a few years older than I was. But she was another young one that they adopted that came through and she was young. So were any of these women your roommates too? Or like Yeah, some of them were. Okay. So some of them were your roommates. The people that were my roommates, let's see, Looter Three, that would have been the character that played Pousset. Her real name's Antoinette. Okay. She was one of my roommates. And then when I moved from that unit to the K unit, my roommates would have then been red. Morello, I had five roommates. There were six of us in that room. Yeah, so those would be the two that had, like, characters. And you said in your in your highlights that Red was actually not even a redhead. It was, like, a no. giant silver head. Yeah, hair she had, like, things. bright platinum silver hair. Her name was Rose. Her name is Rose in real life. And she had, like, She was bright. Russian? I'm not sure what she was. She was okay. just... The attitude is spot on, though. She was very... <laughs> She lo- if she loved you, she loved you. But if she did not like you, you knew it. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. she was just somebody, she had done a lot of time there and there was a lot of mystery about like what was really going on. And there was all these rumors about whether she was like a mafia wife and nobody really knew for 1000%, but oh, she wow. had a good, good period of time. And I do know that 
apparently somebody did die. Um, I don't know. There was rumors that there was like a body in the freezer or something, and I don't know how true that was. Okay, so let's get into this timeline. So like, when exactly did you start piecing together that these women that you were incarcerated with had the same exact personalities as these women in Orange is the New Black? Was that like, because you only started posting this like a week ago, like what brought this about? Somebody asked me about it because I had like mentioned this before, if anybody had knew about it and I kind of just dropped, you know, I was like, this is all these similarities. And I remember I wrote them down in my notepad and hadn't really put a lot of energy into it because I'm always working. How long ago was that though? When you first started? I mean, it was a couple of years ago. Okay. I wasn't somebody that was like overly interested in prison shows because when you're in prison, that's all they want to watch is prison shows. So I'm home. I don't want to see that. Yes. It's, it's, yes. You get into arguments all the time because people want to just obsess over these day long marathons of other people being in prison. It's like, I'm literally seeing this everywhere. This is the last thing I want to watch on television. Yeah. So when it came to like prison dramas, I didn't want to devote too much time Makes on it. Sense. And then somebody forced me to watch it. And I, it was funny. What it tipped me off was Crazy Eyes. Okay. Her character. And I was like, oh, I was like, we had this woman named Cydia that lived on our our housing unit. I was like, she was, she was kind of weird, you know what I mean? But ultimately harmless. She had a thyroid condition, I believe. So her eyes were, they bulged a little bit, whatever that condition's called, Hashimoto's yeah. or something. I forget what it is. But she had this thing with her hair. She would always braid her hair into horns and stuff. I, it just kind of dawned on me that from like being incarcerated with her, there was an incident where um, sometimes Cambridge would get these crazy thunder uh, and snowstorms because it's near Erie, Pennsylvania, and it's like cold up there. There was a really bad thunderstorm one night, and she tried to crawl. In, she was scared. And she tried to crawl in bed with another one of the inmates. And she was crying and just inconsolable over the amount of like thunder and lightning that was going on. And I remember the inmate oh, this pedophile, she's trying to crawl in bed with me. And and I really, it kind of just hit me then that I was like, I think maybe we're not really looking at somebody that's dealing with, you know, a full set of capabilities, like a normal cognitive adult. So, and then I kind of just from observing her, I was like, oh, she's very childlike. She's very polite and very nice, very sweet. But it just seemed like she really wanted to be friends with everybody, wanted everybody to like her. But she got shunned a lot. So she did get kind of bullied a bit. And spent a lot of time alone. They housed her in her own room by herself. It was kind of sad, to be honest. So that was the first character you saw and you were like, whoa, that reminds me of this person. And so then you started like being like, okay, let me go back and started connecting and being like, wait, this person looks like this. Now, obviously that has to be, it feels like a leap because you, you know, we know Piper Kerman, she she writes this book in 2010 after she's been released from prison. And this book that she's called Orange is the New Black, My Year in Prison. She does lay out characters in her book. Now, I didn't read the book. I did try to skim it before. I did read read the book. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it's like she does have, you know, she has characters named Big Boo. She has characters, I think in her book, it's called Yoga Janet, not Yoga Jones. But she has these characters. But I guess what you're saying is these characters in the book don't have the same personality as the characters on the show Mm -hmm. at all. No, the characters on the show matched the characteristics of my friends. And that was just kind of what was like really sticking out to me. So the the character that plays Flocka, Jackie Cruz, like that is 1000% Jamilka. So the, the attitude, like everything. And I think in one of the episodes that I saw um, her crime 
it, it, it was minor. It was very, it was something very petty. Somebody fell off or jumped off a roof. And in real life, Jamilka's daughter fell down the stairs. I thought it was her son, but it was actually her daughter. Her daughter fell down the stairs. So it was like, uh, even though the names and the details may have been changed to protect the innocent, they didn't really change it too much. Well, yeah. And it seems like a lot of the, you know, you you even brought up, there was the character V, which in the episode, I think her name is Yvonne. But you say, no, this is Vivian King. She was this woman who murdered her 17-year-old daughter. You go through in your highlight person by person, you know, like this person is this. I mean, you even told the story of Morella, which is very pretty, wears lipstick, but she is a stalker. She keeps talking about, you know, this Christopher that she's in love with and people realize she's crazy. But you were actually roommates with the person you say is Morello, the real Morello, and it's a totally different story. Deb was one of my roommates and, uh, you know, yeah, like I I can't, even though the, the the personality, how heartwarming and lovable that character is, they really portrayed the character to be sort of deluded about this obsession with, you know, uh, this boyfriend that didn't exist. And I found out through Rose's character, which would be Red, um, she told me later what had happened to Deb and why she was there. Because Deb was very much like, she just didn't want to talk about the case. She just wanted to get her time done, get through it. You know, it was a, it was a shitty situation for her. Let's make the best out of it. You know what I mean? She doesn't want to dwell on the negative. Like she'll matter of factly tell you it is what it is. She's very, she's someone that speaks with absolute clarity. Mm -hmm. But she was just the coolest. She was very well respected on campus by the staff and the inmates because she had done, you know, a good bit of time by then, by the time we became roommates. Mm -hmm. And like, she was another person that kind of stepped in to be this like, you know, adoptee mother of mine. And we ended up getting really close. The gentleman that she met through the pen pal program, Michael, um, he visited right, you know, regularly. Like, and I think at the time he was like making like an eight hour drive or something. It was really like not convenient for him to stick yeah. by someone in prison, but he stuck by her the entire time. And when they got out and she finally got her stuff with her sentence worked out, I don't, I don't know if it was vacated or returned or if it got commuted, something along those lines, but they finally cut her sentence and let her go and they got married. Like they're still together. You know, I haven't seen them in a couple of years, so the pen pal part of the story was actually real. She actually mm-hmm. did meet a guy and she ended up getting married to him. But the rest of her story, I mean, she ended up in prison, you said like at 16, mm-hmm. because she was being she was a babysitter for a family and the father was raping her. And yeah. then the father ended up becoming obsessed with her. And then the father ended up murdering his wife and kids because of this obsession. And she turned him in. But then she ends up an accomplice. They charge her as an accomplice, not. And so she ends up in prison at like as an underage teenager, basically yeah, serving basically. like twenty five years. I, th- I think it was third degree murder, and they gave her like twenty to tw- twenty to forty or something. It was something really long, and it was the way the prosecution apparently. Well, at least what was relayed to me, you know, prison talk is, and yeah, it came from uh, Red or Rose. But uh, from from what Rose had told me, it was more that like the prosecutors and the DA and all that, they were kind of, even though the father had committed this heinous crime, it all had to be her fault because he was a loving, devoted father before she came into the picture to babysit for the family. So she was tempting it. It was her fault that he did what he did. And they just turned this all into this young girl's problem that had nothing to do with it. Oh, my God. And I mean, it's, again, this is the 90s, right? This is happening. So Well, I got there in 95. So, yeah, like late 80s maybe because she was there a few years before me. How do we get to the point where you now believe that 
these stories because, you know, Piper tells these stories and we know she's in the Danbury, Connecticut prison, which all my Bravo lovers out there, you know, that this is the prison Teresa Judice into, you know, we all know Danbury now. But how do you connect? You're like, how do these stories of Danbury, how did they end up the stories of the Pennsylvania woman? Now you say it has to do with maybe the character who played Maritza in the show? Possibly. Like it was just kind of a sneaking suspicion that I had because it's, when I started to piece together the similarities, I had spoke to Flocka's uh, character study and she was like, I did watch it. I'm on season one, chapter eight. That's definitely me. She knew the Flocka, the real Flocka knew immediately that's me. Immediately. She knew it was her. She knew who Maritza was. She knew who Rocky was. You know what I mean? Like she ID'd the same people I did. She was able to just pick it up right, right from just watching it. She knew who they all were. And when I asked Janine about it, she was like, nah, you're imagining this. There's just no way. There's just no way. And I was like, okay, but like, didn't you get hurt at work? You hit, you, like, I remember you getting cut at work. And she goes, I hit my head and cut my head. And I was like, okay, well, this chick just cut herself in the kitchen or whatever. And there's an incident and I'm watching it right now. She was like, nah, it's not the same thing. No way. It's the same thing. She just kept trying to talk me out of it. And I was like, okay, well, like, if you really thought I was crazy, you would just, be, whatever, Sean, and just, yeah. just dismissed it. But she seemed like she was trying, I don't want to make an accusation, but it seemed like she was trying to convince me away from it. So that's that's what made me suspicious. And then I noticed, and you know, a new house and a new car and some other things. So, <laughs> and like whenever some, I mean, I would never hate on anybody's success, but it was sudden. Yeah. Now, okay. So my understanding from when this story was sent to me, the person was saying that they thought that these stories were taken specifically from Pennsylvania because it's a state where you don't have to compensate prisoners for basically like their life rights. Whereas if Piper had used the Danbury Connecticut inmates, she might have had to compensate him. I don't know if that's accurate. We would obviously yeah. need a lawyer to like tell me that. But do you know if Piper did have a connection to the Pennsylvania prison and, and why she would have gone there? I, I know that uh, I was in close contact with some of the lifers that were at Muncie because I was um, involved in a relationship with one of them. So that that was kind of also what lent me so much protection and privilege and stuff when I was there. She told me, because I stayed in contact with her, obviously, after I was paroled, I still continued to go visit. I still wrote everybody. I still put JPays and put money on their books when I could anyway. She told me that she was like, did you read this book? Have you heard about this book? This woman in Connecticut wrote this book. Well, anyway, she came here and just came to our TED talk. She asked a few questions and and then left. And I was like, what did she say about me? And she was like, oh, I just told her what everybody else said, that you're kind of cute and arrogant and you're cocky, but you're really talented and really funny. And what year was that? That was, I'll have to look at the letter, but I want to say that was, I came home in 99 and it was a couple years after I came home. So the TED talk on YouTube, I think was seven or eight years ago. And that's okay. whenever they posted it. So I, I would have to ask uh, my friend for clarification, but when it actually happened. Yeah. She had already written the book by then though, because she, um, Melissa was telling me this, this Piper woman, I was like Piper Kerman. That's the only reason I remembered the name. So when I heard okay. it later, I was like, Oh, that's the woman that asked whatever questions she was asking about us. And was she doing like full on interviews with the, the no, women? I don't think or so. Just, she was just asking sort of like about them. Yeah, I think it was just kind of like, uh, just kind of like basic kind of stuff, just like average questions. What about this person? What were they like? You know, nothing too far in depth, but I think it was probably just enough to cover the bases and then you could make it up from there. <laughs> so 
Now you have been tagging in your stories, you've been tagging Orange is the New Black. You've been tagging some of the, you know, actresses who played these characters, which you say some of these actresses didn't even realize they were playing real people, which no, is funny because it's they like, didn't. it's based on a book that's, you know, you know, they didn't even know. You even, I don't know if you tagged Piper, but she was watching your stories. She was. Has she responded to you to any of this? No, I actually did. Um, I tagged her on it because somebody else had brought it. They were like, you should just, now that you got your camera, you should make this movie about this. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Let's get this started. And I, I tagged her on, I think, the scre- just a screenshot where somebody had tagged me. So I was like, hey, do you want to talk about this? And I sent her a DM. And I noticed after I sent the DM, the DM set, stayed unread. But she kept coming back after I sent it. So I unsent it, copy and paste it, and sent it again just so I wasn't like buried 9 million pages down in the message request folder. Still didn't read it. So I was like, okay, forget it. We'll move on. But then I noticed she came back on my Instagram story. So I screenshot it. I was like, Piper's back, but she's still not saying anything. So I posted it and then just wait. I didn't tag her on that one. And then I waited for her to come back again. So I'm just like, okay. So then I just publicly addressed her because I knew she was viewing. I was like, hey, yeah, here's the, you know, here's the story. It's obviously on my Instagram story. Like I'm trying to, you know, make us a, a limited series based on the real people behind this. And I think it would be a good show of faith if you got involved because I just turned around and matched almost your entire cast. So I think there's definitely something we need to talk about. It went unanswered, so. Because that's, I think that was sort of also your, you know, kind of main comment to her was like, you know, you have been all about advocacy for prisoners and, you know, helping me get these real women's stories out there could be the best thing that you could do. And, you know, I agree. I mean, I'm sure her lawyers maybe disagree with that (laughs) because we know, we know how that happens. Yeah, everybody wants an NDA and they're going to slap everybody with a gag order until they tell you what you can say legally to not hurt the, you know, the returns on somebody else's investment. I get it. Because ultimately, you know, you're not trying to say like, look, obviously nobody has been compensated for their stories. And look, we don't even know if we can be, you know, we know there's Son of Sam laws. There's all these weird laws, right? That maybe we can't even be. But all you're saying is like, let's help these women. They they make, you said what, 10, 16 cents an hour? You, you start, I believe when I went, uh, when I was in there, I think you started either 13 or 18 cents an hour. And then like, till you work until you worked your way up and we're at the, the highest of the pay grade, pay grade there, you were still only at 40 cents an hour, 42 cents. Wow. And it's like, you know, unfortunately the commissary that you got to use to buy your toiletries, your deodorant, your razors, your soap, it's not like their Walmart prices where, you know, a thing of body wash is for three or four dollars. A, a, a very small size bottle of like Pantene shampoo is like six, seven dollars. Yeah. Ramen noodles, 10 cent bag of ramen noodles is two dollars. Like so. And then, you know, then there's like all the added costs. So it's like it, it's already hard enough for them. And I mean, it's indentured servitude essentially is what it is. And the, the prisons make money off of the inmates labor. So why are the inmates? I mean, I know if people got to atone for their mistakes, but you know, a lot, a lot of these women were already like suffering and already punished enough before going to prison. And then, you know, to see somebody like even Janine who had to kill their attacker during the attack and then still have to go to prison. And then someone say, you know what, if you don't work for us as a slave for the next five years of your life at 15 cents an hour, we're never going to let you go. So the character that you say is you is the character Ruby Rose. So I can't remember what season she joined. I know she wasn't like one of the It was original. one of the later ones. Yeah, she was on there later. So Ruby Rose, <laughs> did did they get 
Did they get your story? Did they get any of it? I think she was a thief or something on the show. And that was my juvenile charge. I had gotten, uh, what was it? Uh, I think it was like receiving stolen property or, or whatever. It, whatever. It was stupid. It was a juvenile offense. But they had 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 me in there as like a, ro- a bank robber or some, a thief of some kind, some kind of robbery or something. But like she was talking about my dad's family being from Australia and just the, just minor details here. But like that was that was something that everybody had questions about. You know, everybody wanted to know my business and I didn't really say much. <laughs> my mom I mean, was a this drug is dealer. just like the gossip girl in me. But like, is, is she who you would pick? For? I always think about like, who would I want to play me? Is is Ruby who you would have picked? No. No. Who would you no. have picked? I'm not quite sure because like I feel like I would have to pick a lesbian actress to, to okay. play me but there aren't really any I'm trying to think of anybody that might be relevant now that would do it but yeah I just I I don't think that how do I say this without coming off route I don't think that you can play somebody like me without suffering a little bit and okay. people people that have had things a little too easy in their life aren't really going to be able to portray the conviction that I that I express in the things that I say or do or why that I say and do it so yeah. And you talked about, you said, you know, you may go in to serve, you know, your two and a half years, but you end up serving your whole sentence because like once you're in, they just like don't want to let you out. Is that what happened to you? Because I think that's like Ruby's character. I think her name was her name, Stella. Stella was <laughs> trying Trainered. to get out. And then Piper sets her up uh, like when she has a few days left and she ends up having to get her her sentence extended. Is that, That's, did that happen to you? Like, did oh, you end that up happened long past the two and a half years? I almost stayed for another year. Oh, wow. So uh, that was actually when I stopped watching because I'm not going to lie, that pissed me off. Wow, there is so much to unpack. We have to do a part two. And in part two, Sean explains why that scene with Stella, played by Ruby Rose, made her stop watching Orange is the New Black. And we hear what happened when Sean met Ruby Rose in person. We learned that Piper Kerman has been watching Sean's stories on Instagram, and Sean has sent a DM, but hasn't yet spoken with Piper. Sean and I discuss what she would like to see happen if Piper does decide to reach out, and what Sean hopes to accomplish from telling the stories of the women she was incarcerated with. Women, she says, are the real people behind our favorite Orange is the New Black characters. Even after part one, I know many of you still have questions, maybe even doubts. But in part two, we talk about how Sean has reconnected with several of the women from her time behind bars and what their next steps are in trying to get their stories heard so the public can decide for themselves. Are these women the real Orange is the New Black? Go to Sean Cooper's Instagram. Her handle is in the show notes and also tagged on my Instagram too. Watch her highlight titled The Real O-I-T-N-B. Look at the pictures, read the stories, watch her videos, and let me know what you think with the evidence presented so far. You know me, and I never quit a story until we get to the very bottom of it. So part two continues next week. So come back, join us. And until then, stay nosy, watch out for Virgos, and don't take financial cryptocurrency advice from influencers. This has been another episode of Kiki with the Talk of Shame. I'm your host, Kiki Monique. This is a Red Rock music podcast. 
Make sure to like and subscribe wherever it is you're listening and follow me on social so you don't miss any of the tea between episodes at The Talk of Shame on Instagram and TikTok. And until next time, let's kiki about it.